Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Mac, Jack, and Jim. This week in sports show as we're here every Sunday, 8 to 10 a.m., live on Roku, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and a bunch of other platforms we'll be on later on. Today, I'm your host, Mac, with your co-host, the legendary boxing writer himself, Hall of Famer, Jack Hirsch, who serves as our historian because he has more knowledge of things from the 1950s than me and Jim put together. And we also have on our legend, Jim Jeffco, two-time Super Bowl champion of the Dallas Cowboys, member of the 100 Sack Club, and also, in my opinion, in a lot of people's opinion, the best defensive end in Dallas Cowboy history. And that's something to say because there were a lot of good ones. We're going we're gonna to do a little research, Mac, even though we don't have to really do much research because we know we're going to get the best defensive ends in Cowboy history and start rating them one to ten. We're going to do it. Yeah, We're going to have Jim rate one to ten to see whether Jim puts himself at number one. I didn't put myself at number one. Jim, well, Jim is Jim is very humble. Like you, you, you seem like you're not humble, Jack, but you are. You know, you 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 a very humble person too. Jim's very humble, also. I mean, you, you know, too tall Jones, Harvey Martin. These guys were were unbelievable defensive ends. Charles Haley, Andre. you could say Charles Haley, you could say too, but he was San Francisco 49ers. I would throw him in there. If he was Dallas all the way, then I would probably rate Haley above uh Jim, but he's not. Jim is a Dallas Cowboy uh player through and through. Well, Haley me, took more cheap shots than Jim, in all fairness. I mean, Jim played a little more by the rules. I don't know. I don't know. I I I seen yeah, you know, I yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. They they I watched what they used to do to Phil Sims, him and Jim, um, Too Tall. It was just, it was murderous. I mean, I, I I used to flinch every time we played Dallas. And you had, you normally had Too Tall and Jim both doubling up on Sims and knocking the ball away. Even though Phil did have some good games against you guys. Yes, he, he, he did. Tough, yes, he's he did. a tough guy. Yeah. Tough guy. Yeah. Real tough guy. No so anyway, so anyway, so let's, let's get a little bit to the NHL real quick. We have the, uh, you know, Avalanche up three to nothing over the Oilers. It looks like they're back to their form. They were in their groove in regular season. Um, uh, the big end, I, I want to try to pronounce his name. I'll give it a give it a shot. Nitch Ushkinen, uh, the big end, I call him with two goals. The Rangers uh, will be playing today against Tampa Bay. Real quick, guys, do you think that the Oilers have any kind of chance now being down three to nothing to the Avalanche? No, no, the Oilers have really no no bounce. I mean, it's pretty much over. The writing is on the wall. 
I think as an athlete, uh, Jim could maybe attest to this. Even if you don't think you could come back and win, there's a certain <laughs> you don't want to get swept. You don't want to get humiliated. So you try to grab a game just so you don't get swept. But once you grab that game, then you think, well, maybe you could grab another game. And before you know it, <laughs> you're thinking, come back, that maybe you could come all the way back. But right now, 3 nothing. I mean, it's safe to say there's not one guy in that uh, locker room for Edmonton who thinks they're actually going to win, uh, could come back and win. It's all about maybe grabbing one game, avoiding a sweep. Don't you think this is similar to what happened to the Dallas Mavericks against Golden State when Golden State went up 3-0? Mm-hmm. Same thing. The same thing. They're yeah. probably going to win one. But um, listening to people talk about uh, Edmonton, they only have really one good line. And that's what um, the Avalanche have taken away from that one good line. And it's uh, obviously uh, Edmonton has been struggling to score points. But good question. Yeah, sure. Do you feel that way, guys? Will we feel that way if the Rangers beat the Tampa Bay Lightning today and go up 3 nothing? Would we be as dismissive of the Lightning because they're the two time defending Stanley Cup champions? Something about that series, we wouldn't be as dismissive. The, even the Lightning players, I think, because of their two championships in a row, are going to be thinking, we can do this. We can win four in a row. Let's grab the next one. But they're going to be thinking in terms that they could actually come back as opposed to just let's win one game before we go home. Yeah, but you also got to look at the Rangers got young legs. And obviously we know Tampa Bay is an older, more established team. And yes, they have talent, which we nobody can question. But those young legs are starting, and they're getting confidence. The Rangers are getting confidence right at this moment. I think I think if the Rangers go up three nothing, it's a different discussion. Two nothing. Tampa Bay wins one. They're right back in this, right? Yeah. So if the Rangers win tonight, then we'll talk about it then because then three nothing is hard to come over. Uh, you know that's like being down. You know. Uh, 21 to nothing in the fourth quarter, right? It's very hard to do. You're gonna play, you're gonna play as hard as you can, but it's very hard to come back with something like that. No, we have the Celtics and the Warriors Warriors tonight. Uh, you know, uh, there is an NBA championship going on, believe it or not. I think the next game they play will be 25 June. So, you know, they're taking their time getting through this championship series. Well, you know, we'll wait a week or two when, when they decide to play another game. Um, but anyway. The, the, the Celtics are up one nothing. Um, they played well defensively the fourth quarter they came back and just and just took it to the Warriors. Um, Jack, you took the Warriors to win this season. me and uh, this this championship me and Jim took the Celtics. Are you still as confident as you were in the beginning? I am I think the Warriors, you know they were just victims of the Celtics. You know, getting tremendous moment, momentum going in the fourth. Basketball's about a game of momentum, and the Celtics got it in the fourth period of the first game. They went on a three-point barrage. And before the Warriors knew, knew it, it was bing, 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 bing. The Celtics overtook them. And, you know, it was like in the days, you know, where uh, I just think they'll figure it out today, the Warriors. But they better because if they lose this game and to go back to Boston for games three and four, Boston's perhaps the hardest place to play in the NBA for a visiting team. 
So they better figure it out today. But I think the Warriors are too good an overall team. And I, I think they'll win decisively this game too. What do you think, Joe? Well, I think what happened to the Warriors is people don't realize is they play more zones than any other team in the NBA because they're not as athletic as people think. Plus, they're an older team. So that gives them an opportunity to rest. Now they're facing a team with great athletes and Jason Tatum, uh, Jalen Brown, even Marcus Smart on defensive. He's a young, obviously, Draymond Green. I mean, they do here, and they have a good bench. And I think that's the issues they're having. They can't do the same things they did to the teams in the West. And that's why I picked Boston. I thought that Boston's defense was going to be issues because they can man up Curry. That doesn't mean they're going to stop him. They can man up um, all their shooters. They can do that because they have the athleticism to do that. And they have the bench to uh, do these things, to not to wear them out. And they're playing at both ends. That's what Boston is doing. They have the talent to play at both ends. I'm not a Boston fan. Don't get me wrong. But I think they do have more – they're more physical and they're more athletic than uh, Golden State. What makes a team change in one year? Because last year the Celtics went out very timidly against the Nets in the playoffs in five games. And they're coming back with the same team. I think I think you have to give credit to their previous coach because they built the team the right way. Both of these teams are built. Brad Stevens. Brad Stevens. And you got to look at these teams, how they were built. They were built internally. They weren't built through the – they tried to to get it um, through a free agency. They built these teams internally for the most part. 100% right. And majority, of them, and that's why they're so good, because these guys. You know, been- you know, you know, Jim. You know, Jim. I I don't count the Warriors out. The Warriors have a lot of good players, a lot oh, yeah. of good athletes. Also, I don't think if the Celtics go up two nothing after today, I'd be shocked. I would be Me surprised. Too. I think the Warriors get this game. They go back to to Boston. They split there, or or Boston goes up uh, uh, by one game. Or however, it breaks down. I think it's seven games. If it's six, I'll be surprised. It might go six. I don't know. If, we'll see what happens tonight. If if Boston wins tonight, and I'm not saying they're going to win, but if they win tonight, then they truly have home field advantage, home court advantage, and that's going to be difficult for Golden State to overcome. Very true. Folks, backstage right now, we got Keith Angle from TGI Sports, who comes on and gives us a few updates. Uh, on this week in sports, TGI Sports Talk, guys, you got to check it out. Great show. It's on Northeast Streaming Sports Network. He has his sites all over the place. Just look it up. If you want to see a great host and great guests and great great commentary, check it out. So let's bring up Keith, see what's going on. It looks like he's outside. Oh, it looks nice, too. Yeah. I like to do, yeah, Sunday streaming sports, uh, my Sunday show, Stream of Consciousness show, I like to do outside when the weather's good because I hate being bottled up in my my office slash studio so much. So it's fun to get outside when it's nice. We got some woods behind you. You scared of any bears or anything coming out of there? At you well, we've, we've seen them here. There's been a bear sighting about a mile from here uh, this last couple of days, but I haven't seen them, so. Well, it would make the show go viral. So, you know, if you want to try to conjure up a bear or something that, that comes after you during the show, we would probably get more views than anyone in the history of 
of, of I'll just baseball. put my wife in a bear costume. Have her <laughs> that that might work too. So Keith, <laughs> we always have you on here to talk about certain certain things, and of course, Yankees are one of them. And you know, um, you and Jack, my great co-host, made some very bad, hurtful predictions on the Yankees this year, and I told you. I will not let you guys out of this. I would remind you every chance I got of how good the Yankees are playing. And as you see there, folks, they're both the Yankee cards are avoided playing cards for 2022 and 2023 until they come on and give a heartfelt apology to all the viewers out there about how they just Threw the Yankees under the bus this year. There's too many holes. They don't know what they're doing. I'm, I'm holding their firm. I'm not giving in. I'm like I know you're not, Jack. That's man who they want to make a plea deal with, but I keep talking I about will, my innocence no I, matter what. I told you in the beginning I wouldn't root against them. And I did do a vlog already a couple of weeks ago. Basically, apologize. Well, I didn't apologize. I admitted right. how wrong. I admitted right. how wrong I was. Right. So well, we want a heartfelt apology on the Mac and Jack Sports Show uh, to right. all the Yankee fans and viewers out there. Um, and then I will allow you to have your Yankee uh, fan card for next year. This year, is, 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 there's no negotiations. But well, anyway, can you imagine if it's a true Subway series between the Mets and Yankees? It could you happen. Yeah, it we could happen. happen. We'd love hey, it here in the rest hey, of the country. Guys, that, you know, you, and, and the blink, hold on. The season's, what, a 35% done? I mean, you know, kind of hold on a little bit. Even the Mets, who had a double-digit lead, what did they have an 11 and a half game lead like three days ago? And now it's eight and a half games. So, you know, you kind of have to wait a little bit. Yeah, yeah. We're waiting, Jack. We, we're waiting. We are waiting and we will wait patiently every week as I continue to rub it in. On well, I games. will say this. You could criticize Keith for this. He said the Yankees have holes. He said it's pretty pathetic that they have to rely on someone like a Nesta Cortez, you know. I do seem to remember yeah. something like that. I uh, think being, I mis so. I'm being misquoted here because I don't think I said it was pathetic. That oh, they wow. I mean, <laughs> right. So, so Keith, right now the Yankees are at 38-15 with another winning streak of five games playing uh, Detroit today. Then they go away to play, it looks like, the Twins for three games. Now, let me give you, you know, you've talked about holes, and I told you every team has holes, but the Yankees pitching is the thing that's standing out this year. So let me give you some a little stats here on their ERAs and win-losses. Cortez is 5-1 and one with a 150 ERA. Talon is 6-1 and one with a 2.30 ERA. Cole finally gets into the fray here with a 5-1 and one record with 278 ERA. Servino wins again last night. He's 4-1 with a 2.95 ERA. And Jordan Montgomery, who has gotten no run support, that's why he's only 1-1, one one, yeah. has a 3.04 ERA. What five pitchers on any staff is performing better than that this year? I can't I can't give you one. I can't I can't even – I wouldn't even be, try to think of one because there can't be one. They pitch great. And I might have to call you out a little bit because I know you were riding Garrett Cole pretty hard early in years yes. as well. So, yes. um, I told you he'd be fine. Talion's pitched great the last two right. weeks. Severino pitched tremendous uh, yesterday, I think it was, right? Yep. Um, so, look at this staff is pitching well. 
The mm-hmm. bullpen has pitched really, really well, even with some injuries now that they've got. Um, Holmes has really stepped up, and he may be the closer the rest of the year when even when Chapman gets if Chapman gets healthy. Yeah, uh, he may not be the main closer. Uh, they, they may go with a you know committee there. Who the heck knows? But um, he's pitched tremendous. His ERA is like one point three six, or I'm sorry, zero point three six or something. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Cr- so crazy numbers. So, so we do have a, you know, we do have some, move. I think we do have to make a move um, for the Yankees, maybe in the outfield. I'm going to leave, I would leave catcher alone this year. Defensively, oh, I have some faith in Trevino. I think he's a young kid that might uh, show some progress offensively as he goes along. Uh, needs a little bit of work, but defensively he's like, he's like a golden Glover back there, but we definitely need some, a little bit of help in the outfield, you know, to upgrade it somewhat. I think we upgraded big over last year, but that would help us out. I think any suggestions of an outfielder, is it a so a Soho or a, a something, some, some outfielder from a team that, you know, they're going to unload pretty soon uh, because they just want to get some prospects and start over again. You know, one of the guys that the Yankees had their eye on even last year was Ketel Marte from uh, Arizona. And if Arizona's, they've played fairly well, right? They're around 500. I think they are a couple games under now. They've started to, to fade a little. He's a guy who's been on the trade market for well over a year. And I think that's a guy the Yankees may target. He can play second base. He can play uh, center field. He'd be their center fielder most likely. Um, so I would like to see them target somebody like him. The other, the problem with, with uh, the outfield market is a lot of the guys that will be available, guys like Juan Soto, who will probably get traded. They're not going to trade for him because the contract's just going to be. No, Washington says they're not going to trade him. They don't trade. They probably uh, should. You know, but Keith, Keith, the Yankees had an outfielder, Miguel Andujar, who they just sent oh, down to the minors, who's been was, now demanding a trade. I was going to bring that up because uh, Andohar is a guy, and I think I mentioned it Friday, that I feel like they should put him in left field, let him play, because when he was healthy and they haven't given him a real chance since he got hurt, um, the guy's a doubles machine when you put him out there. He's playing better. He's still not a great uh, outfielder, but he's played better than he played last year after playing a lot of that position in the minors. And he's just tired. You know, he played well this last time he was up. He's playing better than Gallo. He's playing better than Hicks. And he's a doubles machine offensively and defensively. That's what the well, problem is. Yeah. Not a bad point, I guess. <laughs> That's a good line, actually. That is a good one. <laughs> All right. So, so the Yankees are playing well, as 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 you as uh, Jim mentioned too. The Mets are playing well, even with their starting pitching. Woes, the, the Mets are still – I don't know how they're doing it, but they just keep on winning, and they're beating good teams too. Um, in fact, Thursday we're going to have on Josh Rubin, uh, Mets, a Mets analyst, the first time we've had on a Mets analyst. that Well, he's been on a program before. He makes sense, and he's not boring like the other Mets analysts we had on here. He's really he's really a good – he's a good analyst and a good – and he'll fight, fight you tooth and nail about the Mets, so I love that. Um so let's talk about the Knicks. The Knicks have a couple of a couple of news items this week. First, they hire a new assistant coach, Rick Brunston, mm-hmm. who spent yep. five years with Tim Thibodeau as an assistant, and so happens to be the father of a pretty good basketball player that's coming up on a contract. And and before you co- you comment on that, let me throw this at you too. Uh, your own Syracuse college that you'd like to follow, the Bohem Bohem brothers. Have been working out with the with the Knicks. 
and both of them are the the, the guard is a good shooting guard, and they're uh, the other one is a forward. Six six is the guard, six eight is the forward. I guess yeah. the forward does a lot of the dirty work, but the guard can really shoot from the outside. What's your first? Let's start with, of course, the assistant coach. Well, I look at. I think it's a good hire. It, 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 you know, people are going to jump to the conclusion it's just to try to lure his son to New York. But he's got a history with Tom Thibodeau. Uh, the Knicks have offered him a job before. Well, well, Thibodeau first came here. They shied away from him because there was some allegations when he left the Timberwolves about the uh, mistreatment of women and whatnot. But which is not a good look uh, these days. Obviously, it's never a good look depending on what actually went on. Uh, but then they actually offered him a job. They actually offered him a job here uh, last year, and he turned it down, didn't think he was ready to come back. So he's got a long history. He coached five years with uh, with Tom Thibodeau in, in both Chicago and Minnesota. So it's not ju- – I think the hire is a good hire outside of his son. Now, right. he gives him a little advantage to bring his son in. If that's where they want to go, then that's certainly you know, icing on the cake. So I like the hire. They had to replace Kenny Payne. It's not like they got rid of somebody else to bring him in. So right. I think this is a good move by the Knicks uh, on several fronts. He's really good with young players like Thibodeau. Yeah. Right? I mean, this, yeah. this is where he specializes in. <clears throat> so I think it's a great hire, too. I don't know if his son's going to come just because his dad is coaching. No, him. I, I don't think so I, I don't think that really weighs heavily on where he's going. I think it'll be more uh, the money and, <clears throat> and where he thinks he has a better wait, chance. Wait, this, is, uh, wait, wait, this is a college basketball play. It's not like a free agent you're offering money. If he's not good enough to be selected number 11 by the Knicks in the draft, how no. good can they be? Who are you talking about? He's playing in Dallas. Or where is he? I was a little confused here, Jack. No, no, I'm thinking of the kids from Syracuse. I'm well, sorry. See, you, see, you see, this is what I go through every I day mean, with Jack. I will be talking about something, and he no, won't be listening He'll be thinking about other things, and they'll come back, and he'll, and he'll say something like that. I'm like, what are you talking about, Jack? And then he gets yeah. mad because I ask him what he's talking about. You just lost all your points. You're done. I didn't cut in before, so I had to hold the thought. It had to come out later on. I didn't want to cut in. Well, we're just getting to that, Jack. You're you're just a step ahead of us. So, what do you think about the Syracuse brothers coming and trying working out with the Knicks? You know, Buddy Beheim, the the guard, is a great shooter, and I don't know that he's going to get drafted. He's not going to get drafted. So. If the Knicks get, want to bring him in or some other NBA team, it's going to be as an undrafted free agent. I'd be shocked if he got drafted, and it's only a two-round draft, right? I mean, it, I doubt he's going to get drafted. Um, does he have a place in the league? I don't know. He reminds me a little bit, and I don't know if you guys know the name. We know him well up here because he went to to Glens Falls uh, High School. Uh, Jimmer Fredette, who was a great player at BYU, Buddy Beheim reminds me a little of Jimmer Fredette. I don't know that he can get his own shot in the NBA and. Mm that's the kind of thing that killed Jimmer Fredette here. Um, he was, he was, I think the 10th or 11th pick in the draft when he came out of BYU. He reminds me a little bit of that kind of player. Maybe there'll be a place for him in the NBA spot up three point shooters, the way the games played today. Guys like to have, you know, players like that. Uh, I think he's going to have an uphill climb though, to be a, a to, to get on an NBA roster. And if he does, you know, he's probably going to be the 11th or 12th guy. You know, he's got a high basketball IQ. Oh, definitely. I mean, you know, his dad's only been doing this for about 60 years. So well, when you have a dad who's a legendary coach, chances are the dad has done favors for someone in the front office at some point. It could have been 30 years ago. You kind of want to repay, you know, that favor. 
So he could be like a maybe a last man on the bench or something, you know, no harm done. It, interestingly him. enough, other than Carmelo, I can't think of a lot of guys from Syracuse that have played for the Knicks. Uh, I was trying to think of some guys as you were oh, talking. What was his name? Wallace played for the Knicks uh, years uh, ago. He might have, yeah, he might have had a, a, a yeah. short time with the Knicks. He never really uh, got, he never made it on the next level either, but he was a great college yeah. player, John Wallace. Great college player. Yeah. Well, I, I heard what I was reading is the reason why they're getting a tryout is because uh, of their father, you know, making a call or whatever. And that's oh. why they're even getting a tryout. But listen, listen, I mean, would he be at so much a downgrade from Fournier? I, I don't know. Oh, no. I, you know I mean, I don't know. I honestly, I don't know what kind of defense is Fournier play, and 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 I mean, all that money we spent on that guy, uh, I don't know any great games he's had, really. Yeah, look at. I mean, if it wasn't for his dad, I watch a lot of Syracuse basketball, and Buddy Beheim's a very up and down player, and I'm not sure that he would have been a starting guard on a lot of uh, division pow, division one power five right. conference teams, other than Syracuse, to be honest with you. I got you. I don't think Fournier's a starting guard either, but that's just uh, no. I, I I I get your point. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, so Keith, uh, what's going on with the Patriots? I really didn't see uh, too much. I mean, you know, you got you got the the OTAs opening, mandatory mini camps before they they break for uh, the summer. Um, I saw Judge was working with um, <laughs> Judge was working with your quarterback. Good luck there. Um, and. Uh, you know, I mean, <laughs> I, quarterback coach I, I don't know. I didn't know Judge was a quarterback uh, coach. I mean, I, I didn't know he had experience. Joe Judge working with Mac Jones. Mac Jones knows more about quarterbacking than Joe Judge. So Joe Judge should just back off and leave Mac Jones alone, yeah. basically. Now, so, you know, the big news, obviously, is that stuff, Mac. The really big news is the, 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 the whispers coming out of camp is the Patriots really looking to maybe change their entire offensive philosophy mm-hmm. and moving towards the Shanahan uh, model of uh, really? zone blocking on the offensive line and, and, and really focusing on the running game in three options. Every, every, every play sets up a, a three-option play for the running backs and opens up the play action. Uh, possibilities for Mac Jones, which is a very interesting uh, that they would blow up their entire philosophy. But with McDaniel gone, this is the time to probably do it. And it depends on the personnel that they have on that offensive line. You got to have the right kind of players, which maybe explains the, the, the uh, strange pick. Uh, no pun intended there. Uh, <laughs> in the first round. Uh, and they're really enamored with him in this OTA. I mean, I get, I get it. The OTAs, but the coaching staff's really enamored with, with his intelligence and and his uh, uh, ability so far. So even well, strange yeah, I, that he thought, thought it was strange. Recently, thought it was a crank call when he got the call <laughs> that he was drafted so early. Like he felt like hanging up. Even he was shocked. He couldn't believe it. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I want to see what happens. It'll be interesting now when we get to training camp to see if they are in fact changing that offensive philosophy, which has been the same almost for, you know, 22 years now. So No, no, yeah. no. I disagree with that. Well, no, I I, I, I'll give you – you're right. Early on, it did change to more pass-heavy when Brady became Tom Brady. So, I get became it. a passer. Right? Yeah. Good point. Then, Good point. You, you really can't tell anything in uh, shorts Olympics. Everybody. No, no, that's, I, I mean, yeah, that's just to be honest with you, especially in the offense and defensive line. Well, you could tell something about me out there if I was out there, you know. <laughs> it's short to the yes, we could. Real and, 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 and we and we would keep it. We would keep it to ourselves too, Keith. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it's real difficult in those positions. 
to really tell anything. Yeah, you can tell about receivers, obviously, quarterbacks and and running backs, but to the most part, you can't tell about the offensive linemen. Oh, good point. Yeah, very true. Very true. So, Keith, I'll I'll take you off uh, the uh, the show with just this one more reminder, folks. (laughs) All right. I mean, I you know, I'm sorry, but I can't help it. You know, I, I listen. I'm very unbiased, right? I try to root for everybody. I don't put the Yankees <laughs> first when I talk. Not like not like most people. I mean, I talk about everybody very well, but I will never, ever come on somebody's show and say that the Yankees are so bad that they'll finish below 500 and that the Yankees will do nothing this year because they have way too many holes and well, all these other teams are better. There's, they don't have no chance. So... Let's I be clear. Avoid their cards, folks. I didn't say they would finish under 500. That was Jack. I said well, they would. Was Jack. I, I, did say, I did say they'd finish out of the playoffs. And I will tell you that as a Yankee fan, a Patriot fan, or whatever I am, I'm not just going to come on here and wear rose-colored glasses. I'm going to tell right. you how. That's very true. You're, you're basically throwing the towel in, Keith. You're giving in to Mac, and you're saying you were wrong <laughs> on the year. And then later, if the Yankees hit a massive slump and start sinking, you're then going to say, I told you so. I'm <laughs> back and forth. I'm holding firm. Yeah, Jack's Let's holding firm. Back. I'm trying to get my card back for 23. That's all I care about. <laughs> right, Are you cutting a deal now to get your card back next year if you can see right. right now? Yeah, you, know, you know, Jack, some people suspension. Some people know when, they, when they're wrong, Jack. You, I don't know. About Listen, that. I don't stick. I'm not like a guy like Jim who's going to stick with a team like the Cowboys no matter what. You know, always have to give them a great record. I can look at it. How did I do this? I Yeah. But I think I've heard Jim be – I mean, uh, he's a fan of his – critical own. of the Cowboys. I, you've been critical of the Cowboys where it yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Jim but, being yeah, critical yeah. of the Cowboys. I'm critical of the Jets. Well, everybody's critical of the Jets. <laughs> well, that's, and that's very easy to do, Jim. So let's – you know. Hey, Keith, we'll let you go. we got Robert backstage, Robert Butler. We'll get him on. Thanks for joining us, Keith. Have a great Sunday. Have yeah, a good day, guys. Have a great Sunday, Keith. Bye-bye. <laughs> Well, there you go, for folks. TGI Sports, Keith Angle, and right behind him, we got one of our favorite guests that come on every Sunday, Robert Butler from Sportscope, with his hot takes and his sports chasing van. He's all over the place. Let's bring him up and see what's going. Hey, on. Hey, morning, guys. Good morning, Robert. How you yeah. doing today? How's it going? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. A little hot all down right? here, but it, it, it's summer. Yeah, it is hot. Really? <laughs> really humid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That'll be coming our way then pretty soon, I would imagine. Um, Man. Robert, let's get right to it. Now, you know, we've left the Sean Watson alone for a while here because really there's been no news coming out about him. And, and really yeah. you just, you know, you're just prolonging and, 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 and the point. But no new news has come out. There's a 23rd complainant that has signed up, uh, at, you know, in the petition. Um, yeah. A little news about the no uh, the offers to all the women with a non-disclosure agreement. I finally learned something about that. And also, which is really interesting, the lawyer came out and said something about happy endings. So, Robert, why'd you take it from there? What's going on over there, Robert? Well, I I understand what the lawyer was talking about. And if you just listen to the media, just talk about what the lawyer said, it sounds horrible. Uh, But that being said, he probably shouldn't have said that. Uh, and then he later went back and uh, 
Rusty Harden went back and walked that back and saying, I'm not talking about Sean Watson's case. And he had to clarify that. And uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, 23. Actually, I think it may be 24 now with this. But also, a lot of this came about, guys, from the Real Sports uh, report that came out, uh, the interviews from the Real Sports, HBO Real Sports with uh, a couple of the plaintiffs there. And then I guess Rusty Harding had a need to come out and rebut that. But also, I watched it. I watched the whole thing, the Real Sports interviews. And they did specify at the very end, at the very end, two jurisdictions of um, grand juries said they were not going to indict him uh, criminally. Right. But that being said, as far as suspensions, I mean, it's staying in the news. And and it just looks worse and worse, public relation-wise, for the NFL, the fact that it's staying in the news. But I did find this out, guys. According to, this is from Yahoo, a judge ruled in arbitration back in 2014 in the Ray Rice situation that they cannot suspend him twice, not unless a new plaintiff comes out. Like, like say, for instance, he gets suspended eight games uh, before training camp, and the number's 23 or 24. If that number stays like that, the NFL cannot suspend him twice. So that's the big news that I discovered uh, because there's been a lot of talk, well, what if uh, something of, of these cases comes out? No. If a new case comes out, they can't suspend him. But to that uh, 2014 arbitration win for Ray Rice, they cannot suspend, which is double jeopardy. I think that would be crap anyways. Let me tell you what gets me in this. Reportedly, he offered $100,000 to... uh, you know, the plaintiffs there. So that's 2.2 million with there were 22 of them. Okay. Considering he signed for 230 million, if you want to make this go away, you know, offer them a few hundred thousand a piece. And that's life changing money for, you know, most of them for non disclosure agreement. Yeah. And just make the thing go away. Take 10 million out of your 230 million or something. You know, you're still have a fortune of money beyond your wildest dreams to just move on. So I think there would ultimately have been a price where the attorney representing the women would have signed that agreement because they would all thought, wow, we could get four, $500,000 if to not talk about this again. And they'll feel okay. They were, I don't want to say paid for their suffering or whatever, but they, they would have felt they were at least compensated materially. You know, and the thing could have gone away, but it seemed like he, I don't want to use the word cheap for 2.2 million, but when you consider 2.2 million out of 230 million, use some sense, take yeah. 10 million out of it, 15 million. Think of all the money you have when the smoke clears still. Last March, guys, it was on the table just to settle the first one. Mm-hmm. And right. it, 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 before he went public, so if he would have just settled that one, there may not be 21 others. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if and you go, go ahead. Privately. Yeah. No, all I was going to say was um, he might have an advantage now because of Amber Hearst, Johnny Depp case. And I tell you guys, I, I wasn't crazy about it, but that's all I've been listening to. I know. You, know you can't it. avoid it, Jim. I know, but he might have a case. Yes. Because yes. Um, that might help him instead of hurt him. 
because this is defamation of character. Obviously, yeah, there was some things that went on, but was it consensual or not? That's the well, question. Well, I'm not well, either way. Well, Jim, defamation of character means it's false. So, and you and yeah. you know it's false. So, if you believe it's true and if it's your opinion of what happened, first of all, you got to prove it's false. Right, yeah. they would have to prove the problem it's you run into. They went on, um, just like he said, HBO. Yeah, right. Now but you have to prove it's false. accusations. You and we right. don't know if they're true or not. Yeah. So right. that's but, but but you think Watson would want to go out and try to in court and try to prove these accusations false? Mm-hmm. That's that they weren't consensual. That's that's what, what they would have to do. That's what he would yeah, have to do. That's what they have to prove. And I don't. And and I, well, no. If he's gonna if he's gonna file defamation, if he files. He would have to prove that what they're saying is false. So that's what does he really want to do that? I mean, I don't think I would want to do any. I would want to try to get out of this as fast as I could. The lawyer saying happy endings. All men know what that is that receive massages. I think was a either it was a, a strategy to say, well, it was consensual or it was a bad, bad mistake. Uh, one or the other. He got carried away. And, and it, like you said, he backtracked, Robert, but he still threw it out there and say, you know, most men who have massages know what it means to have a happy ending. It's consensual. So I, I don't I don't know if that's true or not. I mean, I really don't. I mean, you know, it, see, to me, I don't know why the lawyer said anything. That's my my unless he's trying to throw something out there to see uh, what the public perception is. Of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he stepped in it. <laughs> I think so. And he's too good for that. He is yeah. too good for that. You know, he didn't do that great representing Roger Clemens. I think you know with the steroid accusations, uh, there was a lot of like bad PR where he had Clemens on the phone, you know, to kind of to tape something with his former, you know, uh, you know, the guy yeah. who was involved with him with that supposedly. But I think he, yeah. he also defended uh, uh, Adrian Peterson, too, uh, I want to say. Uh, yeah, I'll go back and double check. Uh, yeah. And I really so, did okay with Roger Clemens, Jack, actually. They, they did pretty good with that. Consider what was what was alleged against Roger Clemens. So, so pushing on, we have the COVID restrictions being yeah. lifted by the NFL. Uh, very smart. Uh, they're realizing that this COVID – Flu is going to be around, yeah, probably forever, right? Like the normal flu. This is we're going to have to live with this. I don't think there's going to ever be a cure for this. So, um, you know, the NFL says the heck with it, no restrictions. So let's get going. How about the other leagues, Robert? You think they'll follow suit? Uh, you know, that remains to be seen. It's really a, like a city to city thing. For instance, guys, I work in the medical field, and and some of the offices I go into, people are still really. Uh, strict about us wearing those masks inside there. Uh, so there's still a public opinion part in this country where people want to have those restrictions in place. How many? I don't know. So I'm not here to say guaranteed that the COVID restrictions are going to go one way or the other. My guess it probably will be because of the NFL. Uh, but it's it's not it's not a guarantee, guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in I my mean, opinion, I mean, it's just not. I mean, maybe ba- basketball's inside. Maybe that takes longer. Hockey's inside. Maybe that takes longer. But I would I wouldn't be surprised if baseball, because it is outside, 
start yeah. flaxing up on those those COVID restrictions. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that. Ryan Fitzpatrick retires, a very unique quarterback, right? I mean, yeah. listen, this guy played for <laughs> 19, 17 years, was primarily a starter with the Bills, had one good season with the Jets. What do you think, Robert? I mean, is he a legitimate starter over the years? Is he a, a great backup? Is he a stopgap kind of guy? I mean, how, what would you categorize categorize Ryan Fitzpatrick as? as you know, part? it took nine teams to figure out that he is – they call him Fitz Magic because sometimes it's magic trick, sometimes it's not. He's good for a few games and then he becomes a mediocre to bad quarterback at times. I've watched him in Miami. I mean, everywhere here in Tennessee, you name it, all nine teams, right? So he was the ultimate uh, stop. Remember, Buffalo gave him a lot of money. They mm -hmm. gave him a lot of money initially. And then once the magic wore off, uh, he, he became a mediocre quarterback again. So, and, and quite frankly, he's pretty close to the all-time record. J.T. Sullivan played for 13 teams, for the record. <laughs> <laughs> and then also you gotta remember he has more passing yards than Troy Aikman. Fitzpatrick. Oh wow. What's a different era though? It is a different era, but that's yeah. kind of unusual. And he is an Ivy League guy, so he's smart yeah, Harvard. <laughs> yeah, he's smart <laughs> enough to know what his limitations are and he utilized it to the best of his advantage. It's a good yeah, salary. I, I'm not mad at him for that. You know, hey, listen, I mean listen. it's a good a good living. Listen, he was a listen, Jet, I mean, too. He actually had a really good year for the Jets as well. Yeah, He went 10-5. and five. I think he was 31 touchdowns, 15 interceptions, something like that. He had a real good year with the Jets. <clears throat> and to me, to me, Ryan Fitzpatrick is like, like a quarterback with a linebacker's mentality. You know, he just yeah, he don't care. He'll go he just he's all over the place. And being from the Ivy League, just that shocks the heck out of you. Seventh round draft pick. I mm -hmm. mean, he's just came out of nowhere and, you know, good for him. I mean, <clears throat> he's thinking about, I think going into, uh, from what I heard going into uh, broadcasting, maybe Thursday night football. I don't know how to do. He seems like a kind of a crazy guy. Maybe, maybe he'll do well, but uh, I hope people don't forget him. He did. He had some. Uh, that's just like you stereotyping Ivy league guys. You feel shouldn't be that better football players because they're smarter. No. Is that what you're basically saying, the Ivy League guys? No, I'm saying the Ivy League is probably e equivalent to a really good high school football league, Jack, when it comes to football. <laughs> so that's what I'm saying. Wow. So, I mean, back in the 1910s, they were the best. Uh, but right now, uh, you know, I listen, I live up here close to a lot of Ivy League schools, and I've watched their games. And I, <clears throat> I can think of some really good high school teams that would really give them a heck of a game. So yeah. uh, be yeah, careful so. what you're, you're saying because the possibility to either own Northeast sport, <laughs> streaming sports or an NFL team. Be careful. True. That's true. It's true. That is I'm true. Just, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. So uh, let's talk a little bit about the Warriors Celtics. <clears throat> yeah. The Celtics, of course, are up one nothing. They had a great fourth quarter to beat the Warriors. What, what I like about what's going on here, Robert, what I want to talk to you about, is the homegrown teams, right? Celtics, yeah. the Warriors, the Grizzlies, the Timberwolves. We're starting to see teams put together kind of old school, right? They're, they're developing yeah. players. These, these players are becoming, um, you know, superstars in their own right. 
And the teams, the super teams like the Lakers and the Nets, and they're having problems. Yeah. So I guess, as Jim has said in football, I think Jack would agree with this to, to the majority of the point. Team chemistry and team unity sometimes is just a little bit better than talent, right? I mean, your team has to play as a team. I don't care what team sport you're in. There has to be some chemistry. The, 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 the team has to play together. And you're going to get a star. You're going to get, you know, a, a Tatum. You're going to get these guys that are going to come up. Uh, through the system, uh, uh, you know, that are going to play a smart, that are going to play really well. And do you think that maybe this is the end of the super team era? Uh, I mean, never say never, but I think teams are going to think about that more before they start to uh, recruit a bunch of superstars and just throw them together. And mind you, those super teams, they're all like three and four year runs, you know, Miami, Mm -hmm. With, with, with LeBron and, and Bosch, those were just four years, guys. And LeBron, it took him a little bit of time to to uh, really get settled in and trust Eric Spolstra. So you got to look at the fact that teams, uh, players seem to respect coaching more from a coach from the team that drafted him rather than just a guy who, who came there in free agency, in my opinion. And I do think like I said earlier, it's not an absolute, but I mean, what is this six finals uh, for uh, in eight years for mm-hmm. the Golden State Warriors? And look at all these playoff runs that Boston's been on. These guys have played together. Uh, the big three there. I mean, the three there is Marcus Smart, Tatum, and, and, and Brown. Five years together, uh, making playoff runs. This is their first finals, but look at their playoff runs. Look at that. So team chemistry. Uh, it's not a cliche. You really need team chemistry. I'll agree. I'll agree. I know. I know. Jack. Uh, 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 Jim's favorite teams is the Grizzlies. One of his favorite teams, I should say, with a lot of young guys. Oh, on Mavericks, there. I guess. Yeah. Mavericks. Yes. And Mavericks well, are the same way. He yeah. talked. He talks about the Grizzlies a lot. Yes. Jack talks a lot about uh, the Lakers. Uh, I don't know why, but Lakers. No, no. Well, listen, they're America's team, the Lakers, right no, now. See? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I not good be an American team right now, it. Jack. That means yeah. you're not going to be in the Super Bowl in 30 years. So that's, that's not good or, yeah. or the NBA Finals. <laughs> but <Right. laughs> the Jack Hirsch uh, cr- uh, well, curse listen, there. Stuff is going to have stuff is going to have to give in the next year in basketball. Is Kyrie Irving all of a sudden gonna, going to become a solid citizen for the Nets? What's going to happen with Ben Simmons, the Joe Lambeat saga? You know, things are going to go down. It's kind of exciting in a way. Yeah. A lot of soap operas, yeah. 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 A lot of soap operas. Yeah. And Though in New Orleans, uh, Minnesota guys. Yeah. Uh, Minnesota's a homegrown team. Yeah. Yep. You know? Except for Beverly. Beverly, yeah. And, you know, role players are role players. I mean, everybody yeah. has to put in uh, no question. free agency. You got to sign those free agents somewhere. Like right. I said, New Orleans is scary with the yeah. talent they have. Yeah, well, they we discussed are. on the show yesterday, guys, Mac, myself, on the debate show, whether or not the Pelicans should give Zion Williams, Williamson a max contract. I mean, he's been hurt, but if he's healthy, he could be the best player in the NBA. Well, that's debatable. Yeah, I would. <laughs> no, no, he's uh, he uh, he's great, uh, healthy. 
He could play. You think he'd be the best player if healthy? He could play any position he's that good. (laughs) That's a Uh, hot take right there. Well, you know, as Jack has said, which he just contradicts himself, a lot of people look great hitting the heavy bag without no opponent in front of them. So (laughs) he look good in practice. But let's see what happens when he gets healthy and plays in the games again. Uh, I would I would definitely make him play a full year before I sign him to to anything. Robert, your top five pass rushers right yeah. now in the NFL. Give it to us. Ooh. Okay. Uh TJ Watt still in his prime. Uh led the league in in, in sacks. Miles Garrett, you got the the equal combination of size and power. Uh I still got Miles Garrett as number number two now pro football focus has khalil mack as number three i love khalil mack but i think michael parsons your guy up there in dallas we're looking to 2022 and going forward i think he's going to get that number three spot i know you guys lost randy gregory uh but i think he has a lot to prove he's an ambitious guy my uh parsons and i think he's wanting to get that defensive player of the year i don't think i don't see a sophomore slump in him so he's number three on my list and then four and five Cleo, uh, Cleo Mack and, and, and Joey Bosa. Uh, but you might be able to throw in a Nick Bosa there. What uh, about uh, Crosby? Okay. Now, Pro Football Focus. Uh, okay. They've got Crosby at number six. Oh, okay. So, we'll, uh, Crosby's still in his prime. We'll see. He's yeah. going to be able to prove it going against those quarterbacks in that division. That's true. we got Russell Wilson there up in Denver now. Mm-hmm. Now remember, and, I said pass. I said pass rushers, not necessarily pass ends. Where does Aaron right. Donald fall in there? Yeah, yeah. People don't consider him a. He's more just a uh, you know guy out the middle. Uh, Donald's probably you know he's in his thirties now, and he's considering retirement. He's still a yeah. force, but I don't know, man. This guy may retire next month, Mac. Yeah, Aiden Hutchinson is going to join that group uh, in this rookie year. Who's that? Aiden Hutchinson. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think he's the favorite to get defensive rookie of the year. Oh, wow. As far as, is the, as far as the odds. You think? I haven't studied it, but it's as far as the odds. All right. You put your guy. Let me ask you a question on that. And, yeah. Robert, I respect your opinion. Yeah. But how many great 6-7 pass rushers have there been? Great successful ones? Yeah, very successful ones at six seven, and that's well, what. Mean, as far as the team being successful, no, the pass rusher. There's not at a lot. That's six foot seven. At six foot seven. Oh, at six seven. Yeah, I have to go back and check on the you, those I, heights. That's something because there's not very many. I think the only one I can remember is Sean Jones, but most of them are within the six five to six three range. Jim, I, guys, I, I think I, Aaron Donald's like six foot. He? Yeah, he was a he's a unique one. But if TJ yeah. Watts is probably what six two and a half, six three. Yeah, though he's taller. Yeah, and his yeah. brother's taller. Yeah, Jim, Jim, I am <laughs> yes. I am shocked and, and almost saddened that you didn't throw two tall Jones in there. As yeah, Ed, the yeah, well, Ed was. <laughs> I mean, that should be one of the first guys you cut you talk about. I mean, yeah, but I, I'm saying the majority of them are in a certain range. I'm not right, saying right, but I'm I'm just I'm just saying. You said how many at six seven? You the first guy that came out was Jones. He's was six not, nine, so I didn't count him as six. Seven. Oh my God, Jim! Yeah. Yeah, there's gonna, outliers I'm gonna, and everything. I'm sharing this to two talls, uh, 
Tutal's uh, Twitter account that you know who you who the first six seven over rusher. Came I didn't to your say mind. six seven over. Oh, I right, said right, six right. seven rushers. They're okay. not. I mean, there are not very many. JJ Watts is what six six six. I don't think is he that tall. I'm not sure, but I'm oh, just okay. saying for the majority. I'm not saying yeah. there's always exceptions to the rule. Right? Wouldn't I mean, a very tall guy? <clears throat> Wouldn't he be at a disadvantage? The defense, as great as he is, uh, on sh let let's say it's third third and one from the one yard line because of his height that he could kind of be lifted up a little. A little there bit. Was that famous play where the Cowboys lost to the Packers in the Ice Bowl. Jerry Kramer lifted up Jeff 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 Pugh just just enough for Bart Starr to sneak in. It was a design play. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, you're, you're yeah. right. Well, well, but I'm well, just saying, yeah. it's harder for those six seven guys because to get to be great edge rushers, you got to get on the edge and you got to be low to yeah. turn those corners. And I'm I mean, not saying just, that, like you said, with too tall and guys, there's always going to be exceptions to the sure. rule, but the majority of them are in a certain range. I, listen, I I agree with you, Jim. It's like tall tall quarterbacks. If you think about it. Tall quarterbacks over a certain height, very hard for them to be successful too. It just—it's mm -hmm. just a fact. Yeah. I, I think even Roberts brought that up on the show before. Yeah, you know Carlos mentioned Javon Curse. I'm out of Nashville. Uh, his nickname was the Freak. Yeah. Uh, he had a extremely long arms, fingers, wingspan is a big deal. Mm -hmm. And yeah, same yeah. with left tackles. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's very long true. arms. Very true, Robert. Of course, you're you down there in Tennessee. You you follow the Titans uh, very closely. How long you give Ryan Tannehill to last if he's not playing too well this year? Uh, my guess is that this is probably his last year there, money wise. Money wise, uh, Malik Willis is really rough around the edges, guys. I don't think Willis is going. Not unless Willis absolutely destroys it. But uh, like I said before, with that stat, and I'm sure John Robinson knows about this, no rookie quarterback has ever led a team to the Super Bowl. I think they still feel like they're in the Super Bowl window as far as the two lines are concerned and, and everything, as far as the amount of players they got. They were the number one seed last year. Uh, but I think they're going to struggle this year because the, the league is that much better. The AFC is just that much. And the Colts oh, yeah. are better. The, yeah. the, uh, the Jaguars are better. So yeah. his dead cap next year is 18 million. His cap hit is 36 million. Uh -huh. So they're going to say either uh, adjust your contract or we're going to have to cut you and save 18 million dollars and we're just going to have to take a chance on maybe picking up another free agent quarterback if Malik Willis is not ready or or Malik Willis is ready we're going to play Malik Willis next year. Hey, listen, it's I a mean, lot to think a, about. They got a heck of an offseason coming up in March. Where does Baker Mayfield wind up? Because that's of a more immediate situation. He's got to, you know, go to training camp somewhere. He's not going to sit out the year. You know, I'm glad you asked that, uh, Jack. If, if I'm Mayfield's agent, I'm saying, listen, let's keep an eye on this Deshaun Watson situation. Because your stock is way down. You're getting bad press around the league, Okay. He may be suspended eight games. If you go six and two and you get your stock up, uh, we got this trading deadline coming up around November 1st. 
Yes, he may go to another team, but it gets him an opportunity to prove himself being healthy and, and, and getting an opportunity to get possibly get another big contract. So if I'm Mayfield, I show up the training camp this year. You want to know something? If he shows up, uh, Jim could tell you as a player, I don't think they'd be too enthusiastic welcoming Baker Mayfield back. He might not have a choice, Jack. But they do. They got Jacoby Brissett. And now he's still in the contract. He's still under contract. He has to. Not only that, what are the players going to do? Not not talk to him? I mean, come on. I mean, it's just. You know, this he's he's out there trying to make a living just like that. Exactly. Exactly. I don't think I, I don't think it'd be a big deal. Yeah. And just Robert, say, look, guys, I'm sorry what happened. Eighteen million dollars. Uh give they me my this. Well, I wouldn't mention that. Well, maybe in private. Well, but, actually, yeah. He does make a good point because they told Deshaun Watson not to show up. Yeah. He was under contract, so you can't do that. Mm. But you're still gonna pay him. Yeah, That's something we'll follow this summer, guys. Yeah, that's <laughs> for sure. Robert Butler from Sportscope, folks, check out his show. He does a couple of a couple of weeks uh, shows a week. He's on all different media. He does his little. Uh, he chases sports down in the country. He puts a lot of miles on his on his sports tracker van there. So you know, help support him. Help him with some gas. For God's sake, gas is seven Jason uh, Baker Mayfield here. But here's Robert going out of his way, filling his tank every other day just so he can give you the best sports updates and the hottest takes in sports. Robert, again, thanks for coming in, and we always appreciate it. Have a good show, guys. Thank you, Robert. So there you go, folks. Robert Butler from Sportscope. Always a pleasure having him on. Our Sunday show is dynamite. We get great views. We get great participation, a lot of comments. And right after this break, folks, we're going to have one of the best that we have on our on, on our network coming up with us. He's all over the place following Philadelphia sports. He's at batting practice. He's at weddings. He's down in the street playing wiffle ball with the kids in, in the center of Philadelphia. Wherever the sports is happening in Philadelphia, that's where Pags is at, folks. So we'll be right back on the other side with Jamie Pags, the Philly sports guy, right after these messages. I made sure I waited. <laughs> when the job is done, this guy will be ready to dig into something mighty good to eat. How do you handle a hungry man? The man handlers. One of the man handlers is Campbell's Vegetable Beef. Gets a man-sized supper off to a good hot start. Mmm, good. The man handlers. If you served honorably in our nation's armed forces and you're looking for a way to continue serving your fellow veterans in your community, then join AMVETS. Each year, AMVETS members volunteer millions of hours at VA healthcare facilities from coast to coast, helping to improve the lives of their fellow veterans through the VA Voluntary Services Program. AMVETS posts and departments also participate in a wide variety of community service projects, ranging from Americanism in our schools to supporting the Special Olympics and Boy Scouts of America. If you no longer wear the uniform today, you can still serve through the AMVETS by joining today at AMVETS.org. I heard you want to be a Frito Bandido like me. You do. Then you must sing the Bandido song. Let's sing together. 
You just follow the bouncing Fritos corn chips bag. Ay, 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 ay. I am the Frito Bandido. I like Fritos corn chips. I love them, I do. I want Fritos corn chips. I'll get them from you. Ay, 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 ay. Oh, I am the Frito Bandito. Give me Fritos corn chips in that. I'll be your friend, the Frito Bandito, you must not offend. Now, boys and girls, you are Frito Bandidos, too. You sing the Frito Bandito song, and you look for crunchy Fritos corn chips. That's nice. Munch, munch, munchy, munchy Fritos corn chips. Hi, Grandma. What's for dinner? Hey, honey, I'm making stew tonight. Ooh, can you come over? I'm not sure about our new friend. I wonder if there's been any drinking going on. Alcohol at her age can lead to so many bad things. I've been meaning to ask you, what would happen if someone offered you a drink? Grandma? This is hard. She's so young. But I know I need to talk to her about it now before someone tries to give her alcohol. If anyone ever does offer you a drink, I want you to say no. I have too much respect for my family, and I don't want to get in trouble. Okay. Really? I promise, Grandma. I love you, too. Okay, how about tasting the stew and telling me what you think? Some children may try alcohol as young as nine years old. It's not too early to talk about drinking. For tips on how to begin the conversation, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA on this station. Here comes the king, here comes the big number one. But why the fear the king is second to none? Just say, but why the, you've said it all. Here comes the king of this, so you got to tear the song. But why the fear's the one that's leading the rest? When you say, but. And each point makes it fear at its best. When you say, but. One takes those down you. So loud and clear. There's only one but wiser fear when you say, but. You've said it all. Yeah. Sam tell you? Kyle's mother kids got caught drinking beer in the park a couple of nights ago. Really? Yeah. Zero tolerance. He's out for the season. Come on, it's a first offense, right? That we know of. But why should that matter? <laughs> Not to drink. I've made it clear to Matt, that's what we expect from him. What have you said to Tim? Um, nothing really. You know, a lot of kids try at this age, so... Yeah, well, a lot of kids don't try it, too. I'm not saying that Matt's going to be this perfect kid, but if I don't tell him what we expect and why he shouldn't drink, how's he going to know? You think kids that age really listen? <laughs> they never admit it, Bill, but they hear more than you think. Talk. They hear you. For more information about talking with kids about underage drinking, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. This is a presentation of Northeast Streaming Sports. Good morning. You're listening to the Mac and Jack Sports Show 
on Northeast Streaming Sports. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to the Matt, Jack, and Jim Sports Show as we're here live every Sunday, 8 to 10 a.m. on Roku, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and a bunch of other places uh, that will be on later on in the show. Um, right up folk, next, folks, we have uh, the guy who knows Philly sports than anybody. And listen, I've read a lot of Philly's newspapers. I have read The Voice. I've read, I think it's called the Inquirer Gazette. I forget which one it was. I've listened to some of their shows. But there's only one guy down there that knows what's going down on in Philly. And he told us what was going to happen all week. He told us Joe Girardi will not be around much longer. And guess what? Joe Girardi's not around anymore. So let's bring up Pags and see what's going on. What's going on? How you doing, Pags? Good morning, guys. How are you? Pags, you should be ashamed of yourself. You got your pound of flesh. I hope you're happy with Girardi. And a couple of wins. So, you know yes. what? And, and, you know, not for nothing. You know, he went on his MLB show, you know, and actually took responsibility. But sounded relieved. He sounded, he sounded actually better than I've heard him sound in months. And I think that there was a big sigh of relief from the team and from him. I think this is something that helped out both parties. Uh, and yeah. all of a sudden, the bats show it. Now, I, I, I obviously, it's such a small sample size, you know, but they scored 17 runs in the last two games I'm against the team. Against the Angels who lost. Uh, but, uh, hey, listen, I get it. You can only play who you can play. Right, so we're playing the Angels. And that was the reason why he needed to get fired before they came to town rather than after because there was still the possibility that they could sweep this team. And how do you fire a coach or a manager after they sweep somebody? So yeah, there was a little bit of a buzzsaw. I mean, you got Mike Trout who's in a little bit of a slump. Otani's not doing real well. The team as a whole, the Angels are made up exactly like the Phillies are. They don't have any good pitching. They do have good bats. Uh, and they, even with a 10-game losing streak, they're still above 500. Two games above 500. So they, they were amongst the league leaders before this 10-game losing streak. Yeah, so It's true. I don't know if I agree with you about pitching. I think Otani is still a good pitcher, Pag. Uh, and yeah, I think but that's still, one. That's one. I mean, we've got, we've got Wheeler. Right, we've got right. Bola, I agree. And that's I agree. I agree. I agree. Listen, you know, I don't agree that it's only Girardi's fault. You guys went out, got bats. You didn't get no relief pitching. Uh, your bench is, is is iffy. I mean, it's not totally Girardi's fault. I think as a manager, you got to try to overcome these things and and make things happen. I don't think I, I like you said. I don't think Girardi was happy this last, especially these last couple of years. I don't think he's been happy there. And maybe it's because. The GM's putting his nose too much in his business because Girardi is normally a very strong manager, right? I mean, he has been that way where he doesn't take stuff from anybody. And he seemed to be a little bit more involved this year, a little less fighting him than he's had 
Uh, so maybe he just got worn down, Pags. I don't know. But you were right, man. I mean, a lot of you know everything so far you said about the Philadelphia sports world down there. You've been you've been spot on so far. Yeah, you have. Um, yeah. So I mean, I, listen. I I give you're out there with you're out there. You're around the teams. You're around the players. You're around the fans. You know, you're around everybody, which is what you know reporters used to do, and people that you know they didn't just take little snippets from people and just make a story out of it. You yeah. Know, in the field with these people, and that's why you know more than they do. And I, you know, I know you get a little little blowback from uh, from the establishment down there, but there's there shouldn't be. You, you you should you should be one of the hired on on all those stats really, just to give them the real point of view from Philadelphia. Really, I think. well, you know, it's it, you know, I take the old fashioned approach. Uh, I, I put my ear to the ground. You know, you got to be able to hear exactly what's going on, and you know. It, when you're out there with the fans, the fans will typically take the side of the loudest speaker. But in Philadelphia, I mean, just like one of the things that I kept saying is that in New York, you can get you can get lost in the shuffle. That there's so many other teams up in New York that if you're not doing so well, it, there's so many other different ways to look. In Philly, you don't have that ability. You know, you are under the microscope here, and the fans know exactly what it is that they're talking about. They are a lot more intelligent uh, sports-wise than they than most cities. You know, I, I, of course, there's always going to be guys that are, you know, like Dallas is a big city. New York is a big city. Los Angeles is a big city. Chicago, same situation. You know, that there there's going to be a good amount of, of sports-minded people. But in Philadelphia – we take on the personalities of our teams. And if our teams aren't doing real well, you know, that affects work days. You know, like I, I, there's not many other places in the country that if their football team loses, production as a city goes down the following Monday. You know, and that's something that absolutely happens here. And it takes a certain personality to play or manage or coach here. And if you don't have that personality, it, it can affect you. And I think that that was the case with Girardi. I don't know. It's not about him as a baseball guy or as a human being. This is more about him just not fitting the mold of what a Philadelphia guy is. And if you don't fit that mold, it, you know, it comes back to bite you. Paxi said something that. interesting. Wait, so if the Eagles lose the next day in offices in Philadelphia, the people aren't working as hard, production's going down. If the Eagles win, does production go up? I, I would have to say, again, I don't have all of the metrics on that, but I'd be willing to bet that that is absolutely a case in Philadelphia, much more so than it is anywhere else in the country. It happens in Dallas. It happens in Dallas, and it happens in a lot of uh, places where teams are like Green Bay. I'm sure it happens in Buffalo, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's well, one of the know. worst. Pittsburgh yeah. is absolutely one of the worst. Exactly. So there are teams that, if the certain teams don't win, Cowboys, Eagles, uh, Steelers, that production does go down because fans. That's their teams. Yeah. You know, you're uh, right. Would, the kids, when I taught phys ed, they looked <clears> at <throat> lower 
Mondays, you know, in the winter, because when the Jets would lose, I wasn't in the mood to work. I just throw the equipment out, free play. They really look forward to Mondays during the football <laughs> season. So they have a lot of dodgeball day. That's dodgeball day. Have people punching, you know, hitting each other in the face with balls. Play today. I'll take attendance, and that's it. (laughs) Wow. So, so let's talk a little bit about Vegas. We talked a little bit about certain teams um, all Friday, a lot on Friday, because the odds in Vegas, you can get odds on anything. Of course, the mini camps are starting up, mandatory, and then they're going to take a break and. You know, they're going to get the teams whittled down and start preseason, la, la, la. But there are bets you can make at Vegas right now. You can go down to Vegas right now, Jim, and you can make mm-hmm. these bets. So, Pags, the Eagles and Dallas <clears throat> have the same over-under, right? So, if you took $100 and you wanted to bet on the Eagles record, right now it's 10.5. So, it would have to be under which would be 10 and less wins or over 11 and more. And Dallas has the same odds. Dallas is at 11 and a half right now. I mean, 10 and a half right now. So Dallas would have to win 10 or less or 11 or more. So which team's going to win more? Which is going to win less and why? Bags? If I had to make, if I had only a hundred dollars and I had to choose on whether I thought the Eagles will go over 10 and a half or the Cowboys would go under 10 and a half. I'd bet the hundred on under 10 and a half with the Cowboys. I have the Cowboys going nine and eight this year. And I think that they, they, they're, they took a little step back because of just uh, players that they've lost. Uh, Zeke Elliott's a little older. You know, I, I asked, I asked about 30 Dallas Cowboys fans legitimately if they would have traded Zeke Elliott for a second round pick this year. And every one of them, uh, or, or for a third round pick, and every one of them said no. I had one say that they would have taken a second round pick for Zeke. Now, uh, every time I hear something like that, I mean, obviously Zeke is old. I feel that Pollard is a much better back right now. And they're paying them a lot of money, you know, and I feel like that that's those types of things are going to hinder them further on. So I'm happy about all this. So it doesn't matter to me. You know, I just was asking a question. But that all being said, I just don't think that the Cowboys are even as good a team as they were last year. And and that's not me being a hater. I think that's just me being real. But um. If they can beat the team that everybody says is going to win the conference, and they beat them what fifty-one to twenty-one, and what was the other score? Uh, I, didn't, I, I didn't say that they were going to win the conference. They, you said the Eagles were going to win. The I conference. said they're going to go to the NFC conference. NFC, yeah. Yeah, That's what said I said that. yesterday. Yeah, absolutely correct. I said I think that they, I don't know that they win that game, but I think that they make that step. That they oh. it's either going to be them or Tampa against Tampa or the Rams. Although I think the Rams also took a step back. I mean, it could be so, the 49ers. So, so, so what's the Eagles record? If you had hundred dollars to bet on the Eagles, are they ten or less or eleven and more, Pat? I have them, I have them winning eleven games. Uh they could go they could go twelve, and if everything goes ridiculously right, thirteen. But I think that, that I think thirteen is a really far stretch. I have them winning eleven games. Where 
and I think we I think we mentioned this. I think Vegas has got is like dead on with these numbers because I think that you know ten and a half games. I mean that's right on the the cusp there. So and I got them winning eleven games this year. I also have see, but I feel better betting on Dallas because I only got Dallas winning nine games, which means that gives me a game leeway because if they win ten games, I still win the bet. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. So Jim. I mean, that sounds logical to me in a way, right? I mean, I mean, he's, he's, he's going with the best odds. I mean, I want to play the Twilight Zone so bad on him when he went 11 and 12. <laughs> but I did it last year, and I, I, the song didn't work. You know, I tried, you know, because Eagles are our, our rivals, too. I want to see all the teams in NFC do, East do good, but they're our rivals, too. And, you know, probably our arch rivals are probably the Eagles. I mean, I, want, I don't want them to, you know, do really well, but – Last year, Pags told us that they were going to playoffs. I mean, you know, what can I say? And I gave a hot take last night that they they actually singled me out because I said that the AFC West is not going to be as good as anybody thinks they are. And I think that, you know, I think that Denver is going to be really unhappy with, with what they got in Russell Wilson. Oh, I no. think that. Yeah, I, you could say whatever you want. You know that you know that when I say something, I mean it, and uh, you find out that most of the time you'd be like, "Yes, James, you were right." Well, that's right, what right. it comes to the Eagles. On this one, I have to Russell Wilson be a big. <laughs> okay, now may I respond? I am going to take the get Dallas. Now, here's the thing that's going to shock you: when Dallas plays Philly in the sixth week, Dallas will be two and three. Philly will be four. And uh, excuse me, four and one. Mm. But Dallas will beat Philly and go on a run because here's the thing if they beat Philly in Philly, Philly's got to come to Dallas on Christmas, and that is to Dallas's advantage. But Dallas, Philly will be leading the division and going into that game in Philadelphia, and Dallas will beat them in Philadelphia, which is unusual in itself. Because over the years, Dallas has struggled in Philadelphia. And I think, you know, the other part of that is that Dallas has got a, a much more difficult schedule this year. At the beginning. Uh, amongst, everybody, amongst everybody else in the NFC East, and the NFC East supposedly has one of the easiest schedules again this year. It's amazing how this happens two years in a row. But realistically, I feel that because they have such a difficult schedule in the beginning, uh, that – you may find that Dallas doesn't, you know, they could, you're saying two and three, they could be easily be one and four there too. If things don't go well, uh, you know, if things don't go well, the, the wheels could come off the bus for McCarthy pretty quickly. And I, I think that everybody's prime, you know, everything is leading to the fact that the wheels are going to come off the bus with McCarthy. And uh, I, well, that's why I, I think that they're going to go under. I think that, like I said, I think that Dallas, gets nine wins i'm not sure that nine wins gets in the playoffs this year i think that the good teams are going to be really good the bad teams are going to be really bad and being mediocre is not going to get you in the playoffs so i mean but i can't speak for in the entire conference i can only speak you know for our division and i think that the, i think dallas has got nine wins in them they could go 10 you know what I mean? They could get one of those wins. They could be one of those teams that you're not expecting them to win against. But I, I just feel that this is the year where you're going to see the Dallas Cowboys look old. Not weathered, but old. 
But and Pat, I feel like some of that's going to Mike McCarthy is going to get fired if they get off to a slow start. But Jim could speak to this. Jimmy Johnson said something interesting. Jerry Jones is very, very reluctant to fire coaches because he doesn't want to be proven to be wrong. He wants to be validated in his selections. That's why he's not quick to fire coaches. So that's why yeah, Mike but they got, so the, the problem is, is that they have a coach in the wings waiting. You know, and that's the problem here. Yeah. I feel like that there's too much talk about the, their defensive coordinator taking over. And when you have that happening, you're going to it get off to a bad start and there's going to be rumblings. And then those rumblings are going to get louder and louder. And it's one of those times where I think that you could have a very divided locker room especially if you get off to a really slow start. And I think that McCarthy is primed to get off to a slow start. I think that I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of McCarthy staying in Dallas because I think that he stinks as a coach. Oh, well. That being said, uh, of course, you know, like I said, I get to yeah, – I'm going to tell you, one year ago, people were picking the Washington and the Giants to go 1-2 in that division – so look at the way things change. We're not even talking about Washington and the Giants. The ultimate disrespect, it's like they don't even exist. Yeah, I'm afraid of the Washington because Washington has a quarterback. He might not be the greatest. And they do <laughs> have a really good defense. And that's We've been hearing about this really good defense for a couple of years now. When are they going to show up? And they showed up a couple of years ago. They yeah. didn't show up last year because of injuries. Uh, yeah, so they won seven games. And what did they have? Four enough to win the division. I mean, I, it was enough to win the division, but seven games is not going to cut it. Yeah. And and but, literally, when you think about it, the offense won a few of those games. Yeah, Harry but the injury, himself. the injuries hurt him, and especially on defense. And the lack of production on defense. Washington is going to be better this year. It's going I to think be all division as a whole is going to be better this year. So I, I feel that the Giants are going to they're going to win three more games than they did last year, which is, should be a, a fairly large improvement. I feel that Washington is going to go instead of you know eight and nine. I think that they are one game better. I, I feel that they are. There's too much drama that happens around that organization as a whole that takes away from the, the play on the field. And I think that it starts to absorb into the team. So, and then I think that the fact that everybody knows exactly what Wentz is, that it, how long is it going to be before they realize that he is not their answer either? Uh, it's, it's, going to be an, it's going to be an interesting year for them as a whole, probably well, for mean, everybody. They're all predictions. Anything can happen. Injuries, That's as we right. say, and injuries are part of the game. If you that is going to be team, a big part. If you don't have a if you don't have a good team and you have injuries, you're not going to do anything. But if you have a good team and injuries, you'll still play well enough to, to make it through the year. So I mean, biggest, it has a lot to do with the construction of the team. It has a lot to do with the 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 the, uh, the deepness of the talent on the team. How good your team overall is. We all know that. Um, I, I just I just think that. You know, the Eagles shocked a lot of people last year. This year, they're not going to shock anybody, Pags. And that's the only worry I got about the Eagles. They're, you know, they go and they play these certain teams. 
And they're like, oh, it's the Eagles. We have no problem. And all of a sudden, the Eagles are up there beating them in the fourth quarter. That's not going to happen this year for you guys, Pag. That's not going to happen at all. So, you know, you're going to have a little bit more of a target on your back like Dallas always has. So we'll see. I think you guys will do really good. I think you guys got a good shot at winning the division. Also, I'm sure not going to count the Cowboys out. That's for sure. Because and I don't care. Maybe people say Mike McCarthy stinks. Well, his record doesn't show that. And yeah, he has won a Super that. Bowl. And 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 let me tell you something else. That's a lot more than your coach has done right hold now. Right, hold on. You and were the, you were in your mid thirties when he won a Super Bowl, right? I it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. He still has it. He still has. <laughs> yeah, he's he still won has one a Super Bowl. Record. He's won one Super Bowl. And he had Rodgers. You, know, you could say that he that's won more than that's Rogers. one more than Serrani. That's you, the you truth. Why did just got started? I mean, come on. So I mean, so I mean, you know, listen. Everybody makes fun of McCarthy. You know, whatever. I don't care. I think Serrani's a decent coach. I don't think he's a Hall of Fame coach. I think he's a good coach. I think he's well, let's put him against the coaches. Let's put him up against the coaches right now in the NFC East. Let's put him up against the coaches right now in the NFC East. Who is the best coach in the NFC East, Pags? Oh man. Right now? Yeah, I right now. Say, I, I I in my in my heart, I feel it's Sirianni. No, Pags. I'm talking about with wins. I'm talking about the best coaching. I don't care about your heart. Well, I don't care about your got feelings. The one, who, one who's got the longest longevity is uh, uh, I, I know. I know. I know he does, but he also has a winning record. He's, right? he's been a, he's been a head coach in this in this league for That doesn't what, mean he that doesn't, years. That doesn't, he's got that does one not Super Bowl. Mean he's got that, one Super Bowl. That Jimmy Johnson mean coached anything, in this league for 12 you, Wait a minute, wait a minute. Are you trying three. to tell me? Are you trying to tell me that Bud Grant was a bad coach? Or Marvin. Are you going to try and tell me that Marv? Are you going to try and Are you going to try and tell me Marv Levy was a bad coach? Marv Levy. Marv Levy was a good coach, but he couldn't get over the hump, could he? Let me tell you, Pat. So what? So he's a good coach. Doug Peterson was a good coach. He got fired. He's got as many Super Bowls, and he's got as many Super Bowls as McCarthy does. Pags, keep this in mind. One year ago, Pags, Mac and Jim in the preseason were talking about how wonderful uh, Joe Judge was because he had the players run laps and do push-ups as punishment. And they were saying, oh, what a great disciplinarian. That's exactly what the Giants need. That's not what I said. Look at the way it turned out. That was said. And the best coach in the, um, the East is Ron Rivera right now. Just be honest. Why? Because uh, I'm just telling you, don't underestimate Rivera. Because his I'm not underestimating. We're saying who is the best coach right now in the NFC East? Right now, it's Ron Rivera. How do you know how good Coach Brian Cabal is? How do you know how good he is? He was a successful coordinator at Buffalo. We don't know how good a head coach he's going to be. We have no idea. I'm just saying, right now, didn't Ron Rivera go to the Super Bowl? With Carolina, yeah, they lost. I mean, so he's proven a little bit more than he's just a good coordinator. I mean, I'm just, I'm just pointing that out there. So, I mean, I like Ron Rivera. I like Ron Rivera. I, I, out of, you know, and, and I, he, of course, he didn't come to my mind. I would have probably chosen him over McCarthy. I think McCarthy stinks as a coach. See, I, I really do. I love the fact that he's a great coach, but he has to have. A better staff around him to do the things. 
A coaches. He don't stink, Pags. He doesn't. Well, I tell you what. I tell you what. So I, I'll be honest. I'll be honest. I don't think. I don't think the Steelers coach is really very good. But what he is what? incredibly. What? Let, 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 me, let, me, let me talk. Let me talk. What? I, what I what I do feel is that he is fantastic at motivating people and getting the right people around him. I as a coach himself, I don't feel that he's strongest, but he is the greatest guy in being able to get the right people around him, get the people, the right people in place. And because of that, he wins a tremendous amount of games. But if you ever listen to uh, uh, Bradshaw talk about him, he Bradshaw does not, is not a fan of his at all. And he is getting up there in terms of one of the most winningest coaches. He's never had a losing season, you know, and, and that is, there's a lot to be said for all of that. But I think as a coach, if it, if you were to put him up against some of the better coaches in this league, I think he would lose. If you now have to get the, the whole staff around, now that's how he wins a lot of those games. And that maybe that's what coaching is. You know what I mean? I'm not anybody to say, well, he's a bad coach because of this. No, he's a great coach because he does have the people around him in the right way. And that's the strongest thing that you could get, the strongest compliment you can give somebody. You don't have to be the smartest person in the room, but if you have a whole bunch of smart people around you, you're going to be able to answer a lot of those questions right. So Bill Parcells was overrated because he had assistants like Bill Belichick, Tom Coughlin, Sean Payton, et cetera. Well, you know, but think about it in the opposite direction. If he didn't have those people around him, would Bill Bel would Bill Parcells have been as strong as coach as he as he is. I, I I don't I can't answer that. He had those great coordinators. He was able to pick those people. He saw something. He ran it like a military. That's and there's there's something to be said for that. You know, when you're running your organization at very very specific and going down to the letter of the law, and you're expecting very specific things from people. They have to provide those things. If they don't provide them, they're gone. And that was one of the things that Bill Parcells was great at. If you didn't do what you what you needed to do and you didn't be able to hold, you carry your share of the water, you were gone. And somebody else was going to fit in that spot and carry their share of the water. So that's, that's what made Bill Parcells so great. Of course, he had a good coach mind, but he had the right people around him. There's the, the same thing could be said for the Steelers coach. I feel like in a lot of ways, the same thing can be said for Andy Reid. Andy Reid had right people around him. When Andy Reid does not have the right people around him, he does not do very well. And that's that's truth, because I've seen it firsthand, not just with the Eagles, but also with the Chiefs. Well, Pags, I'll tell you, a lot of great insight. A little controversial, because I don't agree with everything you said, but your points are made. And uh, Jack has a way to bring us from the Eagles all the way to Bill Parcells of the Giants of the 1986 and 1990. I don't know how the hell we got I'll there. Tell you, this is great, Mac. This is great stuff. If we want network TV, imagine Pags going after Mike Tomlin out of nowhere. Great. He's not the smartest guy around. That would have been headline. Notes. Oh, that would have been great. That would have been great. I've been getting a call from Mike and being like, uh, yes, you would. Yes, you would. <laughs> Pags, you bring your pads onto my field and let's uh, see how you are. Pags, <laughs> okay. great, great stuff as always. You have a great Sunday, and we'll see you again uh, on Friday, folks. 
Check out the Philly Sports Guy TikTok page. He's all over the place. He's all over Instagram. Um, he does. He's our social producer on Northeast Streaming Sports. He does a great job for us. Pax, thanks again for coming in, my friend. Hey, real quick, right, I'm, so surprised. I'm so surprised that he didn't bring up the fact that, you know, we can't find a Flyers coach. Uh, well, that, well, that he well, didn't bring up me. hockey. Believe me, that would take about another 15 minutes with Jack. So we got to let you go, my friend. You <laughs> All right, guys. Have a good weekend. All right, thanks. There you go, folks. The Philly sports guy laying down a lot of hot takes for us. I don't know. But anyway, guys, we're going to be right back after these messages where me, Jack, and Jim kind of talk about a bunch of stuff, maybe some stuff we cover, but some stuff we have, and I guarantee you there's a lot of things I want to talk to Jim and Jack about on the other side of the break. So stick with us, folks. We'll be right back after these messages. And Jim hasn't left either again yet. I'm impressed today with you, Jim. Well, I'm going to ask right Jim. When he I tied time. myself down in the chair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. My baloney has a first name. It's O S C A R. My baloney has a second name. It's M A Y E R. Oh, I love to eat it every day. And if you ask me why, I'll say, cause Oscar Mayer has a way with B-O-L-O-G-N-A. Oscar Mayer, the first name in Bologna. How's that? When you hear the word asthma, you probably think of shortness of breath, coughing, or inhalers. Lots of things can trigger asthma, but the fact is that asthma doesn't just attack, it can kill. But with proper medical management, asthma is controllable. If you experience shortness of breath, wheezing, tightness in your chest, or persistent nighttime coughing, you may have asthma. See your doctor and get the facts. You'll breathe easier. For more information, call 211 InfoLine. A message from the Connecticut Department of Public Health. Keeping Connecticut healthy. is more than one fermentation. Most brewers just ferment their beer once, but Schaefer is fermented twice. Once to make it beer, and twice to make it Schaefer. The one beer with flavor so fine, it keeps shining through glass after frosty glass. More than one fermentation is one reason, but of course there's more than one reason behind the one beer to have when you're having more than one. We all make choices. When it comes to alcohol, Kids make choices whether to drink or not. Bye, Dad. Bye-bye. Remember, I'm going to Alex's party tonight and sleeping over. Hey, Em, have a seat for a second. Remind me about that party again. And adults make choices whether to talk about it. That's true of parents and every other trusted adult in a kid's life. Kids want to know our expectations when it comes to alcohol and other drugs. They want guidance and honest answers to their questions. And it makes a difference when the message is consistent and part of everyday conversations. So talk with your kids and help lead them on a positive path. Because when you talk, they hear you. 
For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to the Mac and Jack and Jim. This week in sports show, uh, this week in sports show, we are every Sunday, 8 to 10 a.m. Have a lot of fun on the show, updating the week's sports and things that pop up at the last minute. Because, you know, it, the, the, the stories are always updating. We're on live on Roku, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and a bunch of other places we'll be on later. Um, a quick couple notes for you. Um, Jack will be on Monday night at 7 on Glove Fist with Frank Lotirzo as they'll be going, of course, over the about updates on the, the fights, upcoming fights. They have a fighter spotlight, an anniversary fight. Those two guys know more about boxing, I think, than the whole uh, the whole boxing world itself. You could take top rank and ESPN and put it all together. And Frank and Jack, I think, know more about boxing than all of them. Um, we also have Wednesday night, we have on Jim Jeffco and Byron Williams and JMB talking shop where they give you the player's perspective, folks. I mean, you don't hear that everywhere. They know the players personally. They know where they've been. They know the coaches. They know what's going on in the field. They have a lot of fun and, and they and they talk a little bit about other sports, too. But of course, football was their lives and they know a lot about that. So check them out Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern. That's JMB talking shop. So, guys, you know, we had our guests on, and, and of course, uh, the Philly guy. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about him sometimes. I mean, it got me to thinking, Mac, when he mentioned Mike Tomlin. If you guys had, and Jim would know uh, the individuals better than we would, Mac, because of his years in the league and coaching, if you could play, you're a young man, you could play for any coach in the NFL now, who would you most want to play for? I mean, not knowing anyone, I would think Mike Tomlin from everything I've observed, because there's a winning culture. He's a tough disciplinarian, yet very compassionate. So I, he, I, he'd actually be my selection. That's why I was shaking my head when Pags was going off on him. Who would you pick, Jim, and who would you pick, Matt? I, I would say Tomlin's one of them, but I like Andy Reid. I've always liked Andy Reid. like Andy Reid. Interesting. Wow. Billy guy. That mean, you know, the success he's had in the NFL. But also, I mean, the situation, you talk about Philly now. Andy Reid was a hell of a coach in Philly. Yeah, I mean, he did take him with all the controversy with T.L. and McNabb not getting along. He did take him to the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. So I, 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 thought- I might, su- I might surprise both of you. I'd want to play for Shanahan. I think he's a huh. young, dynamic coach that uh, is 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 very good at scheming on offense. He's got he's a good motivator. Mm-hmm. He looks like he really cares about his players. I mm-hmm. mean, if I had to pick anybody right now, I mean, I, I respect Tomlin. I respect. You know, I respect Belichick. I mean, I wouldn't mind playing for any of them. If I if I had a choice, that's who I think I would want to play for. I don't think the players would pick Belichick, except when New England was on top. 
the reason would be because they could win the Super Bowl, you know, a few years back. So maybe they'd want to go to New England. They'd more want to go to New England, the team, rather than the coach. I don't know. I don't know. So let's let's get to let's get to a couple stories I want to get to before we go off here. Jack, of course, a big fight last night. Um, split decision. You know, uh, <clears throat> Haney beats. Uh, Are you not? What? Unanimous, not split. Yes. Well, sorry. I said split. A unanimous 12 round decision. My bad, Jack. So uh, I know you're going to be covering this tomorrow night uh, with Frank more in depth. I mean, I think you, you, uh, Frank, and I also picked, uh, you know, Haney to win this fight. Combosis is, is a good fighter, but Haney just has a lot more uh, speed and a little bit more, I think, talent than Combosis. Combosis is a tough guy. You know, he's a hard fighter. But I, I think pretty easy, pretty easy decision. It should have been anyway, Jack, even though they were fighting, what, in Australia, I think, if, if I'm not Australia, mistaken. Australia, yeah. Yeah, Campos is home country. They actually had a rematch clause going into the fight. For Haney to get the fight, he'd have to fight Campos if he beat him, which he did a second time in Australia again. And it was a bold move by Haney to go into Australia twice because you could get robbed of a decision there. But last night, he basically shut Campos' down. Boring fight to me. Haney would tag him with a jab on the way in, the right hand occasionally move out of the way. He did what he had to do to pile up round after round. The rounds weren't exciting, but you had to give them to Haney one round after the other. He just, like, uh, you know, just added the layer rounds and clearly won the fight. It didn't excite anyone, but he, he did what he had to do. So kudos to uh, Devin Haney. Real quick, Jack, I saw a fight, uh, a highlight of a fight where I think it was a heavyweight, knocked out a guy with one punch. It was a one-punch fight. Knocked oh, him Lucas out. Brown, the 43-year-old, yeah. But he <laughs> hit him in the back of the head. Is that legal? I questioned that. I kept looking at the replay. It looked like then he hit him in the back of the shoulder. But yeah. in any event, it's insignificant. Lucas Brown, who once fought for a version of the world title, I mean, he's way past his peak. It was kind of like an insignificant fight. There was another good fight yesterday, too. And actually, the two fights overlapped. And this fight was on Showtime. Stephen Fulton from Philadelphia, 122-pound uh, super bantamweight. He beat former uh, title holder Daniel Roman. Looked very impressive, Stephen Fulton. Really surprised me with how good he looked. I knew he was a good fight. I just didn't think he was that good. Very cool. Very cool. And again, folks, tomorrow night on Glove Fist, check out Jack and Frank as they go all over the boxing information. Jim, I want to talk to you about this a little bit because you know the guy involved, me and Jack and, and, and Doc talked a little bit about this on our debate show. I kind of opened it up with it. Marion Barber, 38 years old, passes away. They're really not sure why right now. I don't know if the autopsy was ever done or not, or if it's going to be done. Um, you know, I, I brought up the point, Jim, that I think, you know, Marion Barber would, for his time there, those five years or four, whatever it was there, was a complete running back, hard running back, fast running back, returned uh, kickoffs and punts and was a receiver out of the backfield. I think he could have played middle linebacker if he wanted him to. I mean, this is what kind of player he was. 38-year-old young guy. And there's something that bothers me a little bit. And, and I'll, we're talking about sports now, so I won't go outside of it. 
it's social media. I start calling anti-social media, right? Where, where there's no more human touch, no more human exactly. you know, interaction. And maybe loneliness is a big part of these people having these problems, right? You're not, when we grew up, me, you, and Jack, you know, we went over each other's house. We called each other on the phone. We met at it. We, we talked, we, you know, shook hands or we wrestled or whatever the heck it was we did is when we were younger, but it was physical interaction, emotional interaction. Today, they don't do that anymore. People are scared to go over each other's houses. Do you think that has something to do with, with maybe why some of these uh, sports that, that were popular at one time, these sports, athletes maybe this is part of the reason why they're you know taking their own lives or becoming alcoholics or, or whatever i think uh that is a good point you made there's less human interaction because of our culture now because of technology and things of that nature um and it, it seems like and i don't know the whole story like you with the autopsy they haven't um released anything yet but it seems like he was having some issues uh mentally and uh, he didn't get the proper help. And that's um, one thing that Byron Williams, who I do the J&B Talking Shop, he's very active in that, trying to get former players, if they need some kind of help, to get them help. And, and it's just like anywhere in society. If you need help, you should uh, have somebody that you can go to. But if you're not having a lot of human interactions, you won't have the the chance to do those things and you're just suffering alone. Yeah. You know, Jim, I, to a small degree and you to a great degree, right? We grew up even, even when I was playing and, 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 and football, the lowest leagues, right? We had shirt days. We wore our jerseys in football. Mm -hmm. When we went to high school, of course we wore our jerseys and, and people, you know, I was, I was a quarterback in high school. People wanted to talk to me just because I was, they knew who I was. Right. I was a quarterback of the high school team. I, I was pretty good at what I did. We won games. Then people would just want to hang out with me and talk with me because of that. And and of course, you as you know, you go to high school, you're a star. You go to college, you're a star. You go to professional football, you're a star. You're popular. You have all these people that want to be with you and talk with you. You got your teammates around you all the time. And, and you got family around you. But you made plans, right? I mean. You had plans after you got out of football. And I think a lot of these players, you know, they're making so much money now. They think that they don't need to plan for later. They don't need, they, they don't need another skill. They don't need to, to do something and get ready to, to retire. You know, I, you know, besides the broadcasting, some can do it. Some can't do it. Right. It's true. Very so, true. So you, you had, I don't know if you want to say it was mapped out, but you had a plan and you're successful outside football. What goes into that, Jim? I mean, did you make a personal decision? Did you talk to somebody? What happened to make you, you know, do what you did after you got out of football? Well, here's the thing. And this is what argument we've had a, a couple of weeks, not you, but people are saying about Thibodeau is, is that because he had a plans outside of football, football wasn't the end all. I love football. Don't get me wrong. I love playing. I love all the things that came with it, but it wasn't all my life. I had other things and opportunities and things I wanted to do in life. I had other aspirations. So I had to plan for those things. And that's what smart players do is they don't 
just say once the noise stops or the crowd stop, they stop their planning. What is my next move? Where am I going to go after this is over? And that's what you have to do. And I, you know, I'm really proud of my son. He's um, playing up in Canada, but he also knows what his next move is. My daughter, when she finished uh, playing college basketball, she picked the direction. My other daughter, the same way. And that's what you have to do. You have to understand this is not but a short part of your life. If you're lucky to, like I did, to play 15 years, that's a blessing. But most players don't get that opportunity, and you have to look forward to what you're going to do for the rest of your life. So, so when did you start planning, Jim? I mean, you, like you said, 15 years. You were very. I started successful. planning. When I was a rookie. Really? Yes, because I I saw how hard my parents worked, and I knew I had to plan for um, basically what I'm going to do. Because I didn't know if I was going to play 15 years. I had no idea I was going to play. I would love to. I I was blessed enough to do that, but I uh, had to all started planning in my mind. I was planning already and what I was going to do down the road and make the right decisions. But Jim, you're on your own when you're doing that as a young man. When you played for the Cowboys, I'm sure they wanted you to focus 100% on football, not what you were going to do after you were done playing. Of course, well, that's, they- not, that's not necessarily true, Jack. When you're at the facility in training and working out and pre- preparation, yes. But you're not going to be there 24-7. That's just the reality, no matter how great. And that's really what Aaron Donald's saying. This is what I do, but this is not me. I'm more than a football player or any sport. I mean, and that's what people have to realize. There are There is life outside. When you're there, you're 100%. And you better work hard or you won't be there. But when you leave, there's other things that you can do. You'll have opportunities. So Jim, so you said you started planning right away. I want to, I, I, I want to expand. I want you to expand on this. So, are you doing what you thought you would be doing when you got out of football? Was this your plan, no. or did did you kind of fall into it? I fell into it. I fell into it. I um, I am a uh, I'm I work with a insurance agency, and um, I just actually fell in because I was coaching, and when um I finished coaching. I was looking at opportunities and a real good friend of mine said, have you ever thought about insurance? And I hadn't. And I started researching it and started looking up and it fit my personality because it's a lot of interaction with people. And that's what I, and I like that. I'm like that. I'm not never bored. I'm always interaction. I'm meeting with people. I'm doing zoom meetings now because of obviously COVID issues and everything. And I'm just still, interacting with people. I'm not just sitting in an office by myself all day, not saying anything. And that's what I like. And that's the thing. And that's just like a locker room, really. It's locker room. And you're really working with people that you can help them with whatever their needs are. I guess it has to do with what type of person you are, too, as you just said, right? If you're not mature, and you're playing, say, football, you've been in it for four years and you're partying and you're enjoying your newfound, you know, your newfound wealth and your newfound, you know, fame. And all of a sudden that's taken away from you. And you haven't, like you said, you started planning right away for what you wanted to do. And if you're just going to there for the ride and the ride stops, 
you know, then what? I mean, it I, guess, I guess Pickles brought up the family core, right? And that's true that you do have to have a good family mm -hmm. and you do have to have good friends. But I think you've got it. You've got, you know, even Shaquille O'Neal said when he was a rookie, he started planning for what he was going to do. Investments. He did all this stuff. You wouldn't think it. You look at Shaq. He looks like a big clown, right? A big funny guy, but very smart. He invested his money. He, he, you know, he didn't, he didn't go and spend his money right away. I mean, I guess it has to do with just maturity as you as a, as, as a person, right? Yeah. And you look at reality, reality, no matter how popular you are, or famous you are at some time, the crowd's quiet. You're there. And now what am I going to do? What is my family going to do? Things like that. And you just look at the reality of it. It's a short period of time in your life. No matter if you play 20 years, you know, at some time, and it's going to end at some point. At some point, it's going to end for Tom Brady. We don't know when. It might be in two few. No, no, there are few athletes who are so iconic. They can retire, not do anything, and wherever they go, they're going to attract the crowd. Very few. Tom well, Brady. here's the problem, Jack. You say that, but what, is, what did we just hear about Tom Brady? He's got, what, $375 million to go – and work for uh, Fox or one of the stations. Yeah. So he's not just going to sit there. If you sit there, that's dangerous because that opens up other windows. It depends whether you need the limelight, Jim, or not. Uh, most guys seem to need it to an extent. Some guys don't need it at all. Some some players, you know, make such great money. that when it's not always days, about money. It's about purpose. Everybody yeah. thinks it's always about money. It's about purpose in your life. And that's the problem a lot of people run into. They have to have purpose because you get up in your regimen. You get up, you work out, you do things to prepare yourself physically. But are you preparing yourself mentally for when this is over? It's a great point. And, you know, even in boxing, you look at, you know, boxers like Joe Lewis and great iconic people that, you know, they're penniless and they're fighting because they have no more money. So, I mean, mm -hmm. I, I guess I guess it's all sports. It just it seems like, you know, lately there's been a lot of uh, problems uh, with the NFL players and, and getting in trouble and, you know, drinking too much and using drugs and, 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 and you know, taking their own lives or, or whatever. It, it's just I wanted because I know you're one of the examples. I know I, I don't know Bart Starr, so I know you. You know, and I know I yes. know that you've done very well for yourself outside football. And and listen, you know, all pro, hundred sack club. I mean, this is you were you were one of the one of the best at your position at, at, at the time. And and for you to come out and and still, you know, be like you are, very humble, good person, and yet you're 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 successful. You're not. I think that has a lot of maturity and, 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 and as you said, worth, that has a lot to do with it. I mean, I don't care if you're just barely getting by paying bills. you got to have some kind of worth. There's got to be a purpose. Yes. Uh, and that's what I'm saying. You on, man. I mean, it's yeah. gotta to much is given, much is barely, you know, and they say it all the time. And uh, much is um, anticipated or, you know, you have to get back. You have to get back. You just can't sit in there. And that's hard because you weren't a lot of players weren't prepared that way. They weren't there. And now what are they gonna do? Man, I mean, yeah. that's it.
And he said, and that's right, pickles is right. And it happens to the best of us and it happens to the worst of us. And that's unfortunate. It's just the reality of sometimes because you're put up on a pedestal. But when, what happens when you're off that pedestal? Yeah, they take it away. Yeah. You know? I mean, look at Jack. I mean, suppose, suppose <laughs> Jack, you know, he, he, he's, he gets, he's in the Hall of Fame, New York Hall of Fame. He gets in the International Hall of Fame. But then one day they say, listen, Jack, you know, we don't want your ringside anymore, buddy. You know, we, we just, you, you're, you're a nuisance when you sit ringside now. And we that can't that still happens now and then. <laughs> I presented Floyd Mayweather in Las Vegas, the Fighter of the Year Award at the Boxing Writers Association of America's Banquet. That's the Academy Award of Boxing. Apparently, some people didn't like me because two nights later, he's fighting Marcus Madonna. I get my credentials for the MGM Arena, and I see it's not ringside. I thought they put me in one of those fancy sky boxes next to last row obstructed view. Oh, my God. get back at me wow. later. There were apologies and the whole bit, but it was intentional to get back at me. They didn't well, like the way well, I did business. Well, Jack, I mean, yeah, I, I posted that picture of you giving Mayweather his, his award. Yeah. And when he said he was the best, uh, you know, the best wel the wel welterweight of all time, and I saw your face. It's like, are you kidding <laughs> You might be number five or ten. You're not. You're not number one. So I, I that picture I think is what what messed you up there, Jack. I mean, yeah. you know, you you call him like you say. I actually saw Michael Irvin in the press room in Vegas, Jim. I think I told you I wanted Michael Irvin to come to a banquet. He said he'd yeah. be there. I knew he was blowing me off. I gave him my card. He said he'd call me. Never called. Never called. Never called. He was he was polite. He shook my hand. He was a gentleman very quickly. I think he thought I was a fan, even though I tried to explain who I was. I don't think he was listening, but he was being polite at least. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. He was. Yeah. And, and Pickles, yeah. you know, this is how yeah. famous Jack Hirsch is. He said he read Jack Hirsch as a teenager. Wow. I think Pickles is yeah. being and Pickles, I, I don't believe it. And wow. Pickles is Pickles is 55, so that tells you how old Jack is. So wow. anyway. Wow. I'm impressed. I'm impressed. <laughs> oh, I, have, I have so much fun on this show. Uh, folks, you're coming to the end of the show. Thanks for joining us. Another great show Thank with you. a lot of great views and great comments. And we love doing the show for you at the end of the week. We have This is the most fun I think we have. Uh, on all the shows we do because we just get people riled up and, you know, we get people saying outrageous stuff. Like I want to say hello to a friend of mine, Juanita right. Scott. She watches right. us every week. And then um, this is a fun show. I can't wait to this football season. Oh, me either. Oh, I, I want to apologize to Jim's friends for the time I, I harass them. You could That's all right. That's all right. That's all right. You all still apologize. <laughs> yes, yes. It, you know, Jack really doesn't mean that, Jim. Just to let you know, that's that's tongue in cheek. He's saying that, but it, <laughs> it's very interesting that I found out that Mike Tomlin is not really that good of a head coach, and that the uh, that AFC, is very interesting. The AFC West is is not that good. This not year. that AFC good. I, not I'm smart of a head coach. Yes, I. Well, listen, listen. Don't argue with the guests. You know, they're always what they say. The guest is always right. Well, and I guess not always. <laughs> Folks, we'll be back. Uh, the Mac and Jack show will be back on Thursday, 8 to 10 a.m. Of course, yeah. we're here every Sunday when the football season starts up, it becomes the big football show again. But I love doing this show uh, with Jack and Jim. Always, always fun doing it with Jack. And always a pleasure having Jim on Sundays. 
So, folks, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you again next Sunday, same time, same channel. Enjoy the the, the day today. I guess we got hockey and basketball. You can't lose yeah, today. Yeah. So, so have a great day, folks. We'll see you again next week on the Mac, Jack, and Jim This Week in Sports Show. Have a great one. Have a great day.